This is my public service announcement of go try Pinterest ads. And I want a good show, damn it. Great for a good show. You went awesome, yeah. I'm excited yeah. to talk to you. Thank you for having Yes. Andrew Maftone, and today I'm going to be hammering through Facebook advertising audiences e-commerce sellers should be testing. It's a bit of a long title, so I had to write it down. So I've had this issue more and more recently where we'll test a bunch of different audiences, typically some one percenters, and e-commerce sellers will start to say like, well, now what? We're out of audiences. What other platforms should we use? Well, the other platforms you should use are for a different podcast, but you can almost never run out of Facebook ad audiences. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're not currently running ads on Facebook, sorry, this episode may not be for you. Um, So here's a, I don't even know where to start here. So, okay. So we have the, we're going to hammer through lookalikes. Okay. So we're just going to, we're going to ease into this. So I always suggest lookalikes. I don't like custom audiences. I don't find that doing interest-based targeting works as well as I would like it to on Facebook. And if I can give Facebook information from my audience, I think that it's much more beneficial because you're basically kind of giving Facebook a hint at what you're looking for. So got a few things. So ideally you're running videos. So if you're running video ads, You have the ability to create an audience that is people who viewed that video or all your videos or certain videos or anything like that up to 25%, 50%, 75%, and then I think 100% or 90%, somewhere in there. You can create audiences for all those, and then you can create lookalikes for every single one of those. Most of the time, I have the most success with 50% and up. Uh, It depends on how long some of your videos are. But 50% of the time, they watch more than half your video, as long as your video is not three seconds long, then I find that that audience is actually a good enough audience that they've shown enough interest. So Facebook will obviously take that over. Uh, lookalike of website visitors. Super common, super obvious. Uh, when you're creating your retargeting ads, you I don't want to, I suggest breaking them into weak um, timelines. May depend on your product line. But if you have them, they'll be seven day, 14 day, 21 day, so on. And I would always suggest trying a lookalike of each of those. Uh, really, a hundred day audience lookalike is probably gonna. A hundred eighty day lookalike is gonna work just fine as well because you're giving audi- uh, Facebook enough data there to really work with. And your seven day audience versus your you know one hundred and seventy ninth day is not gonna be that different. Uh, the other thing I do is I break it down by category. So if you have a multiple different categories of a product line, so worked with the seller several times who does a lot of different uh, OEM aftermarket Apple accessories. So like iPhones and watches and uh, MacBooks and things like that. And they're all like cases. So she actually segments her audience by 
all people who are interested in iPhone stuff, all people who are interested in Apple Watch stuff. And you can create people, you can create lookalikes of those visitors. So everyone who has looked at an Apple iPhone uh, case within the past 180 days and make an audience of that. And then the ad that you're going to run there is obviously going to be more uh, relevant to an iPhone because you obviously want to target iPhones there. So breaking it down by category, sometimes even by specific product works really well also as long as you're getting enough um, traffic there. And then you can also do that with blog posts. So if you have blog posts that are relevant to certain things, so if you have blog posts that are relevant to an iPhone or a watch or a computer, then you can obviously segment those audiences into those as well. So lookalikes across the board. Purchasers or converters, so people who have purchased with you recently or past 180 days is fantastic because that's literally your ideal customer. And converters could be people who signed up for a newsletter, maybe have not converted yet, but all those can obviously be someone that you want to create in an audience as well. Then engagers, so people who have engaged with your um, any of your Facebook ads or any of your Facebook posts, you can do the same thing with Instagram. So people have engaged with you recently. So then that way you can actually touch on people who look similar to people that are already interested in your posts. And then... We have, so same thing, Facebook and Instagram ads. So yeah, so usually I'll run through all those. We'll hammer out a bunch of those. We'll test the ones that are working. We'll leave them running. We'll increase the budget. And then after a while, they're kind of like, okay, let's start new audiences. But that's just the 1%. Now you got to do 2% and then 3% and then 4%. And if you just counted, I probably did. I just should have counted these, but there's probably like 15 of these, which means as soon as you do a 2%, now you got 30. As soon as you got a 3%, now you got 45. So there's a lot of lookalike audiences that you can create, and you always need to try those two, three, and four percent. It's very possible that the four percent won't work as well as the one percent, but you'd be surprised how many times I've actually come across purchasers at a one percent that work really well and a four percent that don't. But a four percent of vis uh website visitors that works really well and a 1% that doesn't. So sometimes it just kind of depends on the algorithm. It depends on your audience. It never hurts to test it. If you're worried about trying a 4% or even higher, just reduce that budget, give Facebook just enough room to try and test it. But that's exactly what I would do. So that's all the, the audiences I want to list today. because we're going to talk about the benefits of using Pinterest. So recently I've started to dive more and more into Pinterest advertising. And one of the things that, well, actually let me back it up. So years ago I worked with a, a seller who was the only one at the time. Now there's a ton of them, but this was right around when Pinterest had just started coming out. And I had the benefit of always being in the back end of their stuff and we were running reports and everything. And one of the things I had noticed about them that we were unaware of because we weren't helping them with social media at the time their social media traffic was 65% Pinterest. These guys were doing, at the time, I want to say close to $20 million a year, I think, from what I can remember. They were heavy in the beauty market, obviously, so that caters to Pinterest a lot more. But 65% from an ad, from a platform that not a lot of people are using. And in the past two months, I think this was over the summer, maybe in June or July, when Pinterest basically agreed with Shopify to fix all the sales channels issues that they had. And since then, the advertising um, approach and the way that you can actually connect everything is wildly easier. And Pinterest ads are stupid cheap. Right now, 
I know from off the top of my head, someone I'm working with right now, their cost per click is like six cents. And the ROI is like, I think last week we were at like, it's almost a six X or something like that. Um, but the conversion tracking is all fixed. They used to have so many issues with it, but now I can get all my metrics inside the Pinterest platform without any trouble. Um, the Shopify connection is great. And then really the other thing I wanted to say is the, the, the conversion rate is very low. So you're driving a lot of traffic, but the benefit is, is because you're using such a visual piece when you're doing Pinterest, obviously they have retargeting uh, and you can do all that stuff as well, but you have such a visual piece when you're doing Pinterest that nine times out of 10, they're probably knowing what they're clicking over to and they may not purchase right away because they were on Pinterest and they were making a board for whatever reason. But if they clicked over, they already know what kind of product it is. And there's so much traffic at six cents right now, a cost per click, which is nuts, that it makes me want to just like drop everything and go do another <laughs> another uh, a store. But six cents a click, if you have enough retargeting set up, so if you're doing your Google Display ads or ad roll, or you're doing obviously Facebook and Instagram, or you're retargeting on Twitter, or obviously back on Pinterest or anything like that, it's going to work so well for you. This is my public service announcement of go try Pinterest ads. They're not paying me to do this. It'd be nice if they did, if they're listening and want to send me, you know, some referral money, I'll take it. But please just go try Pinterest ads. I promise you they're going to work. If you're having issues with them or you need help setting them up, just shoot me a message and I'd be happy to walk you through them because I want someone to come on this show and be like, oh, fuck, you were right. I'm going to piss off Amazon sellers again. <laughs> so yesterday's episode was interesting and I got some odd feedback from it and someone wanted a little bit more detail in that whole omni-channel approach thing that I had mentioned. So I'm, I'm actually going to dive back into this. So the omni-channel approach I was, I was referring to was, well, if you didn't listen to yesterday's episode, go listen to it and then come back. But I will also give you a brief overview of what I had mentioned was adding different marketplace buttons onto a product page and the benefits and cons of that. So I'm gonna kinda of get a little bit deeper into that today. So omni-channel approach basically means may, uh, keeping your brand consistent and everything across the board. And that means all everywhere that you could possibly buy your product. This also includes brick and mortar, but for now I'm sticking to e-commerce. Walmart, eBay, Jet, if you can still sell there, I don't even know, I don't work with them anymore. Wayfair, uh, overstock, anywhere that you're selling, your product images need to look the same. Your product titles need to be the same. Your product descriptions and everything need to be as remotely close to possible that they can be. I know each of these marketplaces has different rules or whatever, but you know what I mean. So keep the branding consistent, keep the brand voice consistent. You're going to see improved conversion rates on all marketplaces. And the reason is because if someone comes to your website and they're really interested in purchasing, and if you keep hearing like, clapping. If you watch this on YouTube, you'll see I'm a very animated, like kind of all over the place. And I'm sorry that I'm clapping into the microphone, but you'll see that your conversion rates will improve across the board. And the reason is, is that everyone who comes to your website will see your brand and get familiar with your brand feel, right? So the brand voice, the brand aesthetic, just the overall branding. And if they're like, this is a great product. I don't know if I want to wait two weeks to get it, or I don't know what your shipping policy is, or for whatever reason, then they leave. Then they come across your product again on eBay. They go, okay, 
I know this is their product. The issue is a lot of people have knockoffs. There's things like that. You have those whole problems. So if you can keep your branding consistent, you can keep the knockoffs pretty much at bay to a certain extent, and people will be a lot more comfortable to purchase. Now, the thing I mentioned yesterday that pissed a lot of people off. So adding a marketplace button to your website is a very interesting approach, and it works for some and not for all. I think that it works much better for people who don't want to deal with operations, who maybe are big FBA sellers, and they're okay with shipping from their website or dealing with, you know, sending from other websites or, or sorry, other marketplaces. But if you don't want to deal with operations, which I don't blame you because I hate operations, um, then this could be something that you would want to try. So essentially what we would do is we would take the add to cart button on your website and we would keep it prevalent and we would keep it away from these buttons. So maybe we would put it uh, below the description or hide it in a tab or something like that. But we would basically have like an also available at, and we would have these different buttons with all the logos on them that would say available to Amazon, Walmart, eBay, Jet, et cetera. And you can actually track these buttons. So if you take, uh, let's say you're running Google ads and you're running Google shopping ads, your conversion event is going to be a purchase, obviously, once someone gets to your checkout. But you can actually also do a custom event for once someone clicks something. So once someone clicks a button and you can actually just have it trigger an event every time someone clicks that button. Now, in that case, Google will count it as a conversion. If you do it on Facebook, Google will, uh, Facebook will count it as a conversion. The benefit of doing it on Facebook is that if you pick a conversion event to target, let's say it's a purchase on Facebook, you can track other conversions without it affecting the algorithm. On Google, it's not that easy. But the nice thing with Facebook is you can actually see how many people purchased versus how many people actually went and clicked on the different buttons. And it's kind of a nice way to see like, okay, how many people am I really losing to these marketplaces? And then again, if you don't want to deal with operations, that could be a big benefit to you. Um, but having that that overall omni-channel approach and really catering to the customer and letting them shop where they're most comfortable will actually help your brand further on down the line. You're not losing any brand recognition when they go to Amazon, you're losing their data and you're losing their contact information, which sucks. So when you release a new product, you're kind of SOL there, but it is one of those things that you kind of have to mull around. But that is essentially the overarching way to do a kind of an omni-channel approach. Uh, obviously, you don't have to do those buttons. You can still have an omni-channel approach as long as you keep your brand aesthetic the same across the board, but that would be my suggestion. So... So this is how you can increase your followers on Facebook. And I know Facebook is a pay-to-play place and blah, blah, blah. But so if you're running ads on Facebook, don't run them to grow followers, run them for conversion, run them to actually make some money. But there's a benefit to that. A lot of people who see your ads, who do actually click on them to go purchase, or even those who don't, those who enjoy it will react. So, you know, they'll like it or they'll smile or laugh or do a heart or whatever they are. And when they click that, it actually goes into that little number off to the bottom left of that Facebook ad. And if, what you can do is actually go into your notifications on your Facebook page, see the people who have reacted to your ad, click on that, view all the people who reacted. Now you'll see that there's a giant list of everyone who's in, interacted with your ad that you can invite. There's an invite button right next to it. So now here's the thing. If you're running an ad long enough and you're letting it get enough UGC, there's enough social proof behind it. That's going to get very, very tedious and very annoying. You could have thousands upon thousands of people liking and reacting to your social ad. So there's a trick. 
So I'm going to read this URL to you, but then I'm also going to put it in the show notes for you. Um, and there's other websites that have this same code, but this one is just the one that I use. So this is AlejandroRioja.com. So I, I don't even know who it is. I don't even know how I found it, but maybe he's cool. Uh, so AlejandroRioja.com slash invite dash friends dash like dash page dash event dash Facebook dash script. I know it's long. It's in the show notes, but <clears throat> what you do is you'll go there you actually scroll down, and in there, there's a code. It's a JavaScript code. So what you're going to do is I do it on Google Chrome. I think it works on other browsers. I'm not really sure. But you'll open up the uh, that Facebook ad reactions, right? And you're going to want to scroll all the way down, click see more, scroll all the way down, click, click see more. Keep doing that until you get it to show every single one of those people that you can invite. Then you're going to take his code. You're going to go to your browser. You're going to type in JavaScript colon, and you're going to paste the code that he gives you, and you're going to hit enter. You're going to wait a little while. Now, it may freeze, and it will say that this page isn't responding or something like that. Just click wait. Then all of a sudden, it's just going to go through, and it's going to invite every single one of those people for you. I have made this a daily task for our social media coordinators who now go in and make sure that every single person is invited, and you'd be shocked at how many people it actually brings into the Facebook page. I know a lot of people aren't as big as Facebook as they were once were, but you can retarget that audience. You can obviously go after their friends. There's a ton of other things you can do in that, but I highly suggest check out the show notes, go to that website, get that code and invite everyone and your likes will skyrocket. No, it doesn't work for Instagram right now. I will let you know when that happens. Thank you for tuning in to the Ecom Show. Head over to ecomshow.com to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or on the Blue Tusker YouTube channel. The Ecom Show is brought to you by Blue Tusker, a full-service digital marketing company specifically for e-commerce sellers looking to accelerate their growth. Go to bluetusker.com now for more information. Make sure to tune in next week for another amazing episode of The Ecom Show.